بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلنا إليك الكتاب بالحق فاعبد الله مخلصا له الدين Indeed, we have sent down to you the book, O Muhammad, in truth. So worship Allah, being sincere to him in religion. Respected brothers and sisters, dearest viewers, wherever you may be, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. As Muharram is fast approaching, this inshallah will be the last episode of this season of Live in London with Dr. Sayyid Amman Naqshawani. Inshallah, do join us after the Arba'iniyyah of the martyrdom of Abi Abdullah al-Hussein alayhi salam and we will continue with the new season. Eternal ethics to do with sincerity. How sincere is the Muslim community today? How sincere is humanity as a whole? When it comes to majalis, aza, Islamic centers, families who provide programs in the dhikr of the Ahlul Bayt how sincere are they in providing this khidmah? Do they do it out of fear for what the community say? Inshallah, before we start the show, there will be a raffle at the end of the show and one of you will be able to win a beautiful piece from the shrine of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas salam and the five friends that you have tagged on our recent Instagram post, they will win a blessed turba from the holy land of Karbala. Live in London with Dr. Sayyid Aman Akshawani. Sayyidna, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very well. Thank now Sayyidna, straight out. The title of the show is Sincerity. Define sincerity, please. Uh, sincerity is when I wish that I could be by the London Eye. Uh, behind me right now, uh, rather than uh, being in the studio. Um, <laughs> okay. That's sincere, you know. Um, I'm telling you exactly what my heart feels right now. Okay, fair enough. Because what we have is we have, uh, in a nice way you could remember it, we have a qalib and we have a qalb. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a qalib and everyone's got a qalb. Your exterior and your interior. Mm-hmm. You have the exterior and the interior when they match each other, mm-hmm. then you have sincerity. Mm-hmm. What's in your heart when it appears in your actions? Mm-hmm. That is when you're seeking to understand how you could become a sincere person, mm-hmm. is when you purify yourself and release yourself <coughs> from the planes of disobedience to the planes of obedience when you're looking at the terminology islamically Mm -hmm. uh, there are many you'll find who may appear with a particular exterior which is different from their interior okay you may see them publicly looking like the most religious of personalities Mm -hmm. but their interior is far from it And so what we're really looking at when we're seeking to define sincerity is trying to see that our heart reaches a level of purity where every act that we perform is to gain nearness to God Mm -hmm. and to seek the pleasure of God. 
Now that we can look at in, you know, in a general way. Mm-hmm. Sincerity is one of God's secrets. Mm-hmm. A secret of the secrets of God which he places in the heart of those who he loves. Mm. Okay. It is one of the biggest gifts that you can have and one of the most wonderful ethical traits mm-hmm. found in any human being. We always love to be around the sincere. When you're around somebody who's sincere, you look at that person who's sincere, you know that their motives are pure. Mm. You know their intention is pure. Mm. You know that they're not there alongside you as a friend because they want to benefit from you or abuse you. But rather you know very well that they're going to be there in your good times and your bad. Therefore you find in traditions when God says that sincerity is a secret of my secrets. I place it in the heart of the believer who I love. Mm -hmm. The angels don't get access to writing, nor can shaitan corrupt that person. Mm -hmm. Therefore, for each and every one of us, we seek to live a life of sincerity, Mm -hmm. where what's in our heart appears in our actions and what our actions are are reflection of our heart interesting now saying that intention is mentioned now we see much of this in islamic law that no act is completed without there being an intention behind it for example salah or hajj what is your uh, outtake on this well what you have is you've got the famous tradition that our actions, ultimately their base is our intentions. Mm. And therefore you find that like all the ethics that we have discussed, all the ethical traits we've discussed, you'll find this ethical trait is no different in the fact that what is the internal aspect Mm. of the act is just as important as the external aspect. So therefore you find that, why are you praying? Why are you going on hajj? Mm. Why are you fasting? What is the intention behind these acts of worship? Mm. When a person's going to hajj, is their intention qurba or ta'a of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it to gain nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or is it that, you know what, it's uh, a box that I have to tick in my life. So let's just tick it and we'll go on Hajj. We'll see how these things are. A lot of people have gone. Let's go and see what exactly takes place. And that's why you'll find that there are many traditions about different rewards for those who go to Hajj. Because not everyone's intention is a sincere intention when they're practicing that act. There are some people you'll find, honestly, the lowest level of intention for those who are going to hajj in some cases you'll find those who say to you blatantly i want to go and have burger king and the mcdonald's and the kfc (laughs) and i want to you know it's all halal over there and you don't really get access to that much halal whoppers where we live (laughs) so you'll find some people will actually go to hajj and spend more time in burger king than they'll spend for example around the haram Mm -hmm. that person's intention therefore 
is an intention which was never to gain nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. The intention therefore is fundamental in every act. Mm -hmm. I want to reach the highest levels of sincerity. I have to reflect upon my intentions behind the acts that I perform. Yeah, sure. That's why when we were younger, you'd always hear that whenever we were being taught about salah, mm -hmm. You'd always be taught that make sure you make your niyyah before you pray. Why we mention qurbatan ilallah ta'ala? Why? I said I could just come and pray salah. I could come and I'll stand there. Allahu Akbar. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. No. The niyyah is fundamental. The niyyah doesn't need to necessarily be said out loud. Because where did we say sincerity is placed? In the, in the heart. Therefore, many times when we do have the, the caravans that go to Hajj, um, you'll find that people will reach Rajul Shajara and there is this clamor. What's the near? What's the near? Uh, me personally, when I'm in that group, I'll look at them and I'll be like, you're asking me what's the near? Ask yourself. What's exactly. your niyyah when you've come here? Yeah. If your niyyah is for your, your own hajj, it's for your own hajj. If your niyyah is for somebody else in the family, then it's for somebody else in the family. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that niyyah for hajj is a niyyah whose house is in the heart of the human being. Mm -hmm. When we come, therefore, to the acts of worship, we cannot place all Muslims at the same level. Mm -hmm. There are some who pray salah, Maybe because their parents have forced them to. If it was their choice, they'd never pray. Mm -hmm. But they always hear, for example, uh, in, in the Iraqi community, you'll always have your mom, Salat, 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 Salat. And you hear Salat for years. Yep. Because some of us can be extremely lazy when it comes to Salah. So you'll find that that person, when they come to pray, what's their niyyah when they come to pray? Sadly, the niyyah is, you know what, I don't want mom's na'al or, you know, excuse my language, slipper to come on my face. Yep. That's why I'll pray. Then there are others, no. They may reach a level where their salah is truly thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what he's given them. So, yes, the intention is fundamental mm -hmm. when it comes to our actions being sincere or insincere. So it has to be, so the exterior has to be tandem with the interior. Yeah. Okay. Now, Sayyidina... Are you saying that the highest level of worship is to be pure when worshipping? As in, aren't we all doing these acts of ibadat because we're either scared of hell or we've heard of heaven and we want to have a taste of it? I think Imam Ali salam summarizes the three different categories of people when it comes to acts of worship and religion. Mm-hmm. There are those who worship God out of fear of hell. You're right. Yeah. I still believe there's some sincerity in that worship. Uh -huh. There is. Because there are many in our communities today who don't pray. There are many who don't pray. There are many youths who don't pray. Who blatantly don't pray. Mm -hmm. As in you could be out with your friends, chilling. Um, and you'll see that when, you know, for example, Salat al-Maghrib comes, you'll see that there's a few of them who will get up to pray. And then there's a couple who will continue yeah. to sit down without even flinching. Mm -hmm. They have no interest in getting up to pray. 
three, four of them have got up. They said, listen, Salat al-Maghrib time. Let's get up. Let me just quickly pray. I'll come back. Yeah. You know, the night's young. There's a lot we can achieve. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple who are sitting down, chatting absolute fraff, nonsense. All you needed to do is to get up for a few minutes and go and pray. Yeah. Why don't you get up and pray? So even that low level where Imam Ali says there are three types of those people who worship God, three types of worshippers. There is the one who worships out of fear of hell. Mm-hmm. But that's the worship of a slave. Yeah. So. The second level of people are those who worship God because they want heaven. Mm-hmm. Not a bad level. They've heard the verses of the Holy Quran about Jannah, about heaven. Mm-hmm. And they think that this paradise seems like a wonderful abode for them. So they get up to pray and they're thinking Jannah, Jannah, Jannah. When they get up to pray and they're thinking Jannah, still not the worst level in the world. Yeah. There is still some level of sincerity there. Mm-hmm. The highest level is when a person prays because they found God worthy of being worshipped. Subhanallah. Yeah. And that is the worship of a free human being. <clears throat> when Imam Ali says, I do not worship you out of fear of hell, for that's the worship of a slave, nor do I worship you because I want heaven, that's the worship of a businessman, but rather I worship you because I found you worthy of being worshipped. That's the highest level of sincerity you'll see in an act of worship. Yeah. That, oh God, when I am entering the state of ibadah, mm-hmm. I don't care whether you give me heaven or hell, the amount you've already given me in life is so great that you are worthy mm-hmm. of being prostrated to. Mm-hmm. That's the worship of a free human being. Therefore, I don't mind if there are people who are worshipping God out of fear. It's a start. Mm-hmm. It's a start. Don't think when we say things like that, that everybody is in salah. There are many who don't even have that fear anymore. There are many who don't care. You know what? I won't wake up for salah. Or if we're on a holiday, I won't pray for days. No, to actually pray with that fear of hell, that's a start. Is it the mm-hmm. highest level you can achieve in terms of your niyyah? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's somewhere to start. Ahsan. Now, Sayyidina, we're going to take a question from WhatsApp here. Um, Haidar from Sydney says, Assalamu alaikum Sayyid Ammar. How does one maintain their sincerity? It's challenging these days because all we care about is what appears good in the community. Nobody cares about the heart. For example, if you propose for a girl for marriage, who cares about what your heart is? It's not easy to maintain sincerity. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Because we live in a world where it's all about the external, not the internal. Yeah. It's all about whether you've got cool friends. It's all about whether you look cool. Mm. You know, um, it's a world where the sincere can be trodden upon. Mm-hmm. And the ones who are insincere or the ones who may show off more yeah. are the ones who everybody wants to be around. Mm-hmm. But I would say that to maintain your sincerity, always try and be around those who are sincere. Mm. You rub off each other. You know, there, there's this yeah. wonderful energy that exists between you. Mm. Um, if you look, for example, in the Quran, God talks of this, of this pure liban, you know, that mm. comes from the cattle. And if you look at, for example, the milk, the pure milk, 
it can also become adulterated mm -hmm. unless you protect it. <laughs> Likewise, you protect your sincerity by being around those who are sincere. Mm. Now, I'm not going to say that you can be around those who are sincere 24-7, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah, of course. And I think if you're around people who are sincere, this helps maintain your sincerity. When you, you know when you're around a group of friends and they're like, you know what, bro, I love this khidmah to Ahlul Bayt, mm. I love this service to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I love gaining the nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That will rub off on each other. Yeah. Now when Haidar asks us that, you know, the community, for example, doesn't care if you're a sincere person. They're more interested on the exterior. Yeah. You know, how much does this person earn, for example? Um, in some cases, even people just focus more on the looks of a person than they do on, on you know, the heart of yeah. the person. These are things that have existed with humanity since time immemorial. Okay. Um, and if those people have not necessarily recognized his worth mm. when he's been proposing, even though he's a sincere person, then eventually you'll have somebody who will recognize that worth. Inshallah. Now, Sayyidina, you have been a public figure for nearly 20 years now. How have you maintained your sincerity and have you come up with, have you faced any challenges in your time? You're facing challenges all the time with sincerity. Mm -hmm. You know, all the time there are challenges that I don't care who you are. You're always facing challenges where you've got this voice inside you which begins to ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. And you know, the opposite of ikhlas is the riya. Mm -hmm. Riya is to do things to show off. Or riya is to, for example, appear one way in public mm. and another way in private. And without a doubt, when you're a public figure, it's extremely difficult to maintain ikhlas mm -hmm. and stay away from riya. Mm. Because the world of riya, it involves getting accolades and getting praise and you, you love all of that. Mm. And to do things where you may not receive so much praise can be a, a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I say this using the word sincerely, that it really is a challenge because everybody wants to be in an environment where you've got a lot of people saying you're amazing and you're mm. the best and you're the greatest in any profession. But can you be in an environment where you're around only a few praise in like numbers others. who may not praise you like others mm -hmm. but are all sincere in their advice to you. Yeah. They are like mirrors for you. One of the things that always kept me, in my humble opinion, grounded, apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance, was that you're around friends who have the energy to keep you grounded mm. and to remind you of how you all started this work. Because this work that we started, in terms of the English lecturing circuit, this all started, what, 20 years ago? And mm -hmm. when it started all those years back, there was no such thing really as English lectures. Mm -hmm. 
So I think we all entered it quite sincerely at the time because the main languages for lecturing were Arabic and English, uh, Arabic and Urdu and Farsi. Yeah. You know, Arabic, Urdu and Farsi were, were the predominant languages for lectures. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I think that our generation, especially in London, mm -hmm. I always praise those who grew up in my generation uh, because I believe that not only do they have to juggle many identities, but they sincerely did good work mm. where at the time everybody is looking at you and thinking, well, what's the need for you to do an English lecture? There's only 10, 15 people sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. Little did we know that 20 years later, there'll be millions who follow you. Um, but it's not easy. It really is. And, and really, that's why we keep repeating in this eternal ethics series that there's no doubt that this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also it's jihad and nafs. Mm -hmm. It's a struggle of your nafs. Awesome. Your nafs loves the world of riya. It loves the world of showing off. It loves the world of only being around um, those who praise rather than those who constructively criticize. Mm -hmm. But alhamdulillah, you know, um, you can make unbelievable strides mm -hmm. in remaining sincere. Awesome. Now, Sayyidina, we're going to take one final question uh, from WhatsApp before we go for break. Um, Zahra from Toronto says, Assalamu alaikum, Sayyid Ammar. Are there a lot of fakes in your job? Let's be frank. Us, the youth, look at you and know you're sincere when you're not that stereotypical. But we've seen too many two-faced people or people wearing holy garbs, not qualified to lead, but purely because of nepotism. What is your answer to that? Well, I think there's good and bad in every profession. Mm -hmm. I think my job is probably the one where you could have the most riya and you can have the most ikhlas. It's, it's quite unbelievable Goes that, you know, you know, being in the field where you're, you're giving lectures mm -hmm. or you're the imam of a, a mosque or, you know, maulana or a sheikh or a sayyid. God knows what's in the hearts. And I, I, I simply put it down to that. If ever you want to know a definition of sincerity, it's God knows what's in our hearts. Why do you lecture? Why did you wear a turban? Why did you say what you said? Why did you defame who you defamed? Why do you recite the Quran in that beautiful way? Why do you, for example, seek to talk about such topics? Do you practice that which you're talking about? I think Zahra has a point that in my job, it's the easiest environment for a person to appear one thing in front of people and for their hearts to be completely opposite. Completely, yeah. But then each person in their job knows very well how sincere they are. They mm. know why they went into uh, becoming a Mawlana or a Sheikh or a Sayyid or an Imam. Was it because there was a lot of fame out there? Was it because there's a lot of money out there? Was it because they were a high school dropout and thick as hell and needed a job? Was it because they had a big surname and there was no other jobs for them? And they were high school you know, dropouts or university failures? Was it because they truly love Ahlul Bayt and wanted to sacrifice all for the cause of Ahlul Bayt when they could have also been doing something else? In my profession? My profession's got the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Hassan <laughs> Sayyidna. Uh, thank you very much for that beautiful discussion on the first part, Sayyidna. Uh, do join us uh, after the Adhan for Salat al-Maghrib. Um, 
where there will be a raffle to be drawn and we'll continue the discussion with Dr. Sayyid Amman Akhshawani. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Welcome back to this uh, live show. Um, back with Sayyid Amman Naqshawat. Sayyid, do you still want to be there? Or do you want to be here with me? Sincerely, I still want to be Sincerely. out there in the wonderful weather. <laughs> but instead, I'm here in the studio with you and Ahsan. Uh, and so the whole show is on sincerity. So we have to make sincere statements. Oh, it's too hot. It's too Go hot ahead. today. Now, Sayyid, there's a whole surah in the Quran called Surah Al-Ikhlas. Which translates to Surah of Sincerity. Why that name? Surah Al-Ikhlas. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant question. Uh, because we know Surah Al-Ikhlas, which sometimes we call Surah Qul Huwa Allahu Ahad yep. or Surah Al-Tawheed. Now, mm-hmm. when you call it Surah Al-Tawheed, yep. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's the basis of why Surah Tawheed was revealed was it seems that the Jewish community was asking the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and his family to uh, define God Mm -hmm. according to Islam there seems to be this wonderful interfaith dialogue that takes place Mm -hmm. um, between the Jewish community and the Muslim community at the time possibly the polytheists of Mecca may have been asking similar questions Mm -hmm. and the Quran would reply Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Qul huwa Allahu ahad yeah. So therefore, we can understand sort of Tawheed. Mm-hmm. But then somebody asks uh, themselves the question, why then is it called Surah Al-Ikhlas? Mm-hmm. As in, for what reason would it be called the Surah of Sincerity? Mm-hmm. It's related once again to that concept of khalasa, a sense of purification. Mm-hmm. Where when a person follows Tawheed and monotheism in its purest form, Mm -hmm. then they are released from the impurities of polytheism and thereby released from hellfire. Mm. So there is this whole idea of a purification Mm -hmm. of the belief in polytheism that seemed to be a prevalent there mm-hmm. and to purify oneself is to believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it seems that many of the traditions point to this, mm. um, that the reason it was called Surat al-Ikhlas is that there is a purification for the human being in their belief in the Tawheed, which releases them from the impurities of this of disobedience in polytheism and hellfire. Now that you mentioned purification, um, I remember hearing that Imam Ali alayhi salam has been compared to Surah Al-Ikhlas. Why is that? Well, I suppose if one Surah is going to be called, is going to be called uh, sincerity, then one man embodies sincerity in his life. Mm. 
Um, I do remember a tradition where Salman al-Muhammadi is sitting with other companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family. Mm-hmm. And Salman, the Prophet asks this question, which one of you prays all the time? And who fasts all the time? And who oh, reads yes. the Quran all the time? And Salman puts his hand up and he says that, Ya Rasulullah, I pray all the time. And I fast all the time. And I read the Holy Quran all the time. And so the companions were sitting wondering. They're thinking to themselves, hold on a minute. We've seen him. He doesn't pray all the time. He doesn't fast all the time. And he doesn't read the whole Quran all the time. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, O Prophet of God, you said that this, this uh, Salman is meant to be a person of the highest level of taqwa mm-hmm. and one of your greatest companions. Yet we clearly have seen him just say something that's not true. Mm-hmm. And he said, what is it? He said, well, he doesn't pray all the time. He doesn't fast all the time. He doesn't read the Quran all the time. Okay. So he goes, why don't you go and ask him? So when they come to ask him, They're like, Salman, you just said that you pray all the time and that you fast all the time and that you read the Holy Quran all the time. Why did you say that when we know you don't? He said, when I said I pray all the time, it's because if a person is in a state of wudu, Mm -hmm. before they go to sleep, it's as if they prayed the whole night. So I always do wudu before I go to sleep. SubhanAllah. As for fasting... The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family said, whoever fasts the 13th and 14th and 15th of every month, it's as if they fasted the whole month. Therefore, I always make sure that I fast the 13th and 14th, 15th of every month. As for reading the Quran all the time, Mm. the Holy Prophet compared Surah Al-Ikhlas to Imam Ali alayhi salam. Whoever reads Surah Al-Ikhlas once, it's as if they've read one-third of the Qur'an. And whoever reads Surah Al-Ikhlas twice, it's, it's as if two. Whoever reads Surah Al-Ikhlas three times, it's as if they've read the whole Qur'an. Read the whole Qur'an. Likewise with Imam Ali alayhi salam. Whoever loves him with his heart, one-third of religion is complete. Subhanallah. And whoever loves him with their tongue, two-thirds of religion. Whoever has full faith and belief in him, the whole of his religion is complete. Subhanallah. He said, I swear, if mankind understood Imam Ali alayhi salam, mm. Allah would not have seen a need to create hellfire. If they understood Imam Ali, meaning what? Meaning that if they understood Imam Ali's character and how all of these ethical <clears throat> traits could be found in one man. Mm. We've looked at forgiveness. Has there been anyone as forgiving as Imam Ali alayhi salam? We've looked at patience. Has there been anyone as patient as Imam Ali alayhi salam? We've looked at envy. Did Imam Ali alayhi salam ever envy anybody else in his life or look for others to have the worst of lives? And likewise, now when we look at sincerity, Surah Mm. Al-Ikhlas, being compared to the mukhlis that is Imam Ali alayhi salam. In every aspect of his life, you see wonderful moments of sincerity. Amazing. Now, Sayyidina, I remember you've given a series of lectures on the life of Imam Ali. Uh, I believe it's 30 nights of lectures on his life. What is your favorite moment of his life that for you defined his sincerity? I think uh, 
it's more, more, probably one of the most difficult questions <laughs> you can ever ask because the man's Putting life, the the man's life is just pure sincerity. Um, every second of his life is an act performed qurbatan ilallah ta'ala. Every smile is for the cause of Allah. Every moment of anger is for the cause of Allah only. And that probably brings me to a moment of him on the chest of Amr ibn Wudd al-Amri in yes. Khandaq. Yes. Because it's, it's an unbelievable display of sincerity. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when you're in a one-on-one -on -one with somebody as arrogant as Amr ibn Wudd, mm. and when he spits at you, you don't strike him. This is a famous scene. Yeah. Because Amr ibn Wid al-Amri, as we know, is a ferocious warrior. Yeah. Um, nobody's able to defeat him. Mm -hmm. And he asks the Prophet, peace be upon his family, and the Sahaba who were there, he says, where are you guys? Come out and fight me. <laughs> if I kill you, you go to the heaven Muhammad promises you. Peace be upon his son. And if you kill me, then you're going to be rewarded. Where are you? And Imam Ali says, let me go. Let me go. On the third time, the Holy Prophet tells him, okay, go ahead. And Amr ibn Wudl Amr asks, what's your name? He says, I am Ali, son of Abu Talib. Mm. He said, then I won't kill you. Because your father, Abu Talib, was a friend of mine. Mm. And Imam Ali replies by saying, but I will kill you because you're an enemy of Allah. MashaAllah. When they enter the battlefield, They have this ferocious exchange. As you know, mm -hmm. he received a strike on his yes. head. Yeah. And the strike that he received on his head at Khandaq is the same place Abdurrahman bin Muljam struck him on the 19th of Ramadan mm -hmm. about 35 years later. Okay? Yeah. So he's in this ferocious battle and, and you've got all this sand everywhere and yeah, dust yeah. is not settling and companions don't know what's happening and they see all of a sudden Ali walk away, come back in, walk away and say Allahu Akbar. He comes back, they Jesus. ask him a question. Yeah. They said to him, what happened? You, you were in the middle of a battle, you walked away, you came back in, then you walked away again and you said, I am victorious. He said, when Amr ibn Wid was on the ground, I was about to strike him. Mm. He spat at me. When he spat at me, if I had struck him at that moment, I would have struck him because he angered me. Mm. Meaning <clears throat> that it would have taken me out of the world of purity. Meaning would have taken me out of the world of sincerity where everything I do is for the pleasure of Allah, not Amazing. for the pleasure of Ali. Amazing. A wonderful moment of ikhlas where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, when he said the whole of Iman was fighting the whole of Kufar. Mm -hmm. Iman became victorious against Kufar. One man embodied Iman with an act of ikhlas. Yes, yes. Don't worry about the size of the act of sincerity. Smallest act of sincerity can go a long way. 
smallest act of sincerity can go a long way. <laughs> Sometimes people want to make a huge act of sincerity. They're sincere, but it has to be on a very grand scale. Yeah. It's a small act. <coughs> Sometimes you may be walking the street, you may be seeing someone who's begging in the street. Mm. You don't need to have a huge fundraiser where you donate big money to the poor. That person begging the street on a cold night in London, that small amount that you give them, that small act mm. from a sincere heart goes a long way. Imam Ali السلام, at that moment could have easily struck him. He mm. never. Many of us would have. Oh, definitely. Bro, you spat me? Definitely. You spat me? No. Imam Ali walked away. Because he wanted to show there will never be a moment where I do something because of my ego. Everything I do, qurbatan wa ta'atan. It actually reminds me of the line that you said, that Imam Ali said, that you mentioned, I see Allah before it, I see Allah in it, I see Allah Lovely. after it. It's a beautiful, ascent. That Imam Ali السلام, says, I did not do anything. This is, this is the whole meaning of sincerity. Mm. Yes. What's my niyyah? Before I do anything, I see Allah before it, Allah in it, Allah after it. Every single act that I perform is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I want to become a lecturer, is it because I see that there are famous lecturers out there? And these lecturers have got a famous lifestyle of glitz and glamour and so on. Or is it because I sincerely don't mind whether I'm lecturing in front of 15 people or 15,000? Mm. There are some who enter our profession. The cause and the need is not for Allah. Mm. And that's why many fall by the wayside. You don't hear about them again. Yeah. Or you'll find that if you don't meet a certain demand of theirs in the sense that they may turn around to you and say, well, you know what? This particular crowd is not the crowd I expected. Where's your mom? Major tests of sincerity constantly occur. Now, Sayyidina, what heights spiritually in the eyes of God can sincerity take you? I think, I think you can reach, literally reach a level where you can move, move the biggest rocks. You know, sometimes they say you can move mountains. I think an act of ikhlas can literally, literally move mountains. Now somebody, somebody might be watching and say, hold on a minute. You're saying that an act of sincerity in Islamic ethics, an act of sincerity can literally move mountains. I remember there was a story narrated from the time of Bani Israel mm -hmm. that one day there were these, these three people who were stuck in a cave. Mm. They had gone out hiking or something and, and, and this rock has fallen yeah. and covered the front of the cave. Mm -hmm. I'm narrating the story to highlight one act of ikhlas. Mm -hmm. One act with a sincere heart. You will not know the magnitude of that act in the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. They're stuck in this cave. Now imagine... You three are having a rest in that cave. All of a sudden, there's this huge rock mm -hmm. that falls at the front of the cave. You're now thinking, I'm not going to be able to breathe. Who's going to know we're in here? Mm -hmm. Who's going to find out we're here? That's the end of our life. You know what the three of them decided to do? Let's pray to God. 
but by using an act of ikhlas as our wasila, as our intercessor. One okay. act where we can say, Ya Allah, I'm in a predicament. Mm. I ask you in the name of this one act that I did 100% sincerely for you, Ya Allah. Mm. There was no intention in this act of me showing off. Mm. I wasn't getting any fame from it. I wasn't getting any plaudits from it. I wasn't getting any accolades from it. Ya Allah, you know that if I reflect on my whole life, there was this one act I could say was pure ikhlas, pure sincerity. Mm -hmm. So all three of them are thinking, which act? And if every human being reflects upon themselves, which act did you perform purely for the sake of Allah? When you gave a charitable donation, did you give it purely for the sake of Allah? Or was it a tax relief for you in your pocket? When you gave a charity donation in a mosque, was it so that everybody says, MashaAllah, look how religious they are? Or was it because you wanted to give back towards that mosque? Mm -hmm. When you gave a charity donation, was it because you were giving purely for the sake of Allah? Or you had done so much haram that year, you thought, let me cover it with one good act of halal, so there's a balance. Mm -hmm. what, was your, what was the one act you can say? I performed this act with sincerity of obedience to Allah, even though it may put me in difficulty. Mm -hmm. So they started to think themselves. The first one, he said, Ya Allah, you know one day, you know very well that I was sitting with a cousin of mine who was the most beautiful of ladies. And we were alone. Mm -hmm. And I could have easily committed adultery. But Ya Allah, I wanted to gain nearness to you. So when I had the chance of committing adultery, I decided that sincerely, with the purest intention, I would leave that house when nobody even knew that me and my cousin were alone together in that house. Ya Allah, I ask you, in the name of that act, if you, O oh God, who knows the seen and the unseen, believes that I did it with ikhlas to gain nearness to you, Ya Allah, help us. A small part of the rock moved from the side. SubhanAllah. That was number one. Number two, second person, what did he say? He said, Ya Allah, you know very well I've got my parents and they're very old and I look after them. Mm. One day when I took them food in the middle of the night, I went into the room, placed the food, and I knew that if I was going to go back out of the room, the creaking of the door would wake them up. So I decided to stay in my same position the whole night so not to wake up my parents because of how important respect for one's parents is. MashaAllah. Ya Allah, you are the knower of the seen and the unseen. If that action of mine was the pure intention and sincere, Help us in this moment. A bit more of the rock moved. Third person. He said, oh God, you know very well I had an employee who worked for me, used to look after the goats. Mm -hmm. That employee who worked for me, who used to look after the goats, when I gave him his final wage, was not happy. He said, this is all I get. I've worked for you so hard, that's all I get. So, Ya Allah. He left that person unhappy with me. The goats that that person looked after, they had a great flock, they produced so much. 
Ya Allah, sincerely, the prophets I made, I went looking for him. Because I felt bad inside me that someone worked for me who was not happy. And I felt more importantly, Ya Allah, that I never want to hurt your creation. So I went to him and I said, here is all the profits of those goats that you looked after. I gave him much more than his wage. Yeah. Ya Allah, if that act of mine was not for showing off, was not because I was going to get titled, it was sincere. An act of ikhlas. Ya Allah, help us. The whole rock removed itself from the front of the cave. Subhanallah. Believe you me, an act of sincerity. In a world of insin insincerity, we live in a world now where yeah, it's like, listen, definitely. if I'm going to do this for you, make sure that you make it clear that I'm the best, I'm the greatest. Mm. Make sure you put my name out loud. Let everybody know that I'm the one who did this and I'm the one who achieved this. To be able to have small moments of sincerity, I think can move mountains and can change a lot mm. of people's lives in our society today. Now saying that in the Quran, we see the word mukhlis and mukhlas. You know, in chapter 39, verse 2, uh, the ayah that I read in the beginning, it says, Inna anzal, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Inna anzalna ilayka al-kitaba bil-haqqi fa'budillaha mukhlisan. Okay? And in chapter 38, verse 83, we see uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, illa ibadaka minhumul mukhlasin. So there's mukhlas and mukhlas. What's the difference between the two? It's a good question. The mukhlas is the sincere. Mukhlas is one who is purified from the need to sin. Uh -huh. Look at the difference between the two. In the first one, mm -hmm. in Surah 39 verse 2, mm -hmm. Your act of worship should be sincere. Mm. When you pray, Usalli salat al dhuhr qurbatan ila Allah. I fast qurbatan ila Allah. I go to hajj qurbatan ila Allah. These should all be what? Acts of ibadah, yep. which are sincere. sincere. <clears throat> that the true believers are mukhlasin yep. to Allah's deen. Mukhlas refers. To this battle we have with shaitan mm -hmm. when it comes to sinning. Because if you look at the ayah you quoted, it begins, Shaitan is saying, by your grandeur, I am going to deceive all of them. Except who? Except those who you've purified. It means there's a certain number of creations Allah purified. This is a proof of Isma infallibility. Isma are those who receive a grace. The Masumin are those, the infallibles or the error-free individuals who receive that grace from God. Where he purifies them and keeps away all impurities from them. So, therefore, the mukhlas is sincere. 
And the mukhlas are those purified from the need to sin. As we said from the beginning of the discussion, all of it is about seeking purification. Ahsan. Now Sayyidina, as I mentioned in the beginning to the viewers, that Muharram is upon us. Mm. Imam al-Hussein makes it very, very clear when he's going towards Karbala, why he was headed towards Karbala. As pure sincerity for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's path. What can we learn from his knee, from this will? His lines are, are fundamental because there may be people out there who may say Imam al-Hussein went to Karbala because he has his own intention to become a king or to become a Khalifa or he went for his own glory. You know, you may find people who may say, say yeah. things like this and he says it quite beautifully. Imam makes it clear that and Muharram, you know, from Saturday night, as we all know, the majalis begin in all the mosques around the world and our condolences to everybody, um, you know, begin and to the Imam of our time. Imam al-Hussain makes it clear. And I think this should be really the philosophy of all of us when it comes to any act of ibadah. Mm -hmm. That I don't come out to cause issues between people. I'm not coming out for fame or for rebellion. Mm -hmm. But I want to firstly reconcile the ummah of my grandfather, an ummah which is in tatters, mm -hmm. an ummah which in some cases has lost its principles. Yeah. I want to enjoin that which is good. I want to forbid that which is evil. Mm -hmm. And I want to live by the life and the lessons of my grandfather, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family, and my father, Amir al-Mu'mineen, alayhi salam. Yes. It is vital that Imam leaves that message for us because it's unbelievable how many people out there will try and make claims mm -hmm. um, about what Imam al-Hussein's intentions were. And some have tried to look down at the intention of the Imam. Mm. But in that one statement, the Imam makes it clear. And why would I need the fame? I'm the grandson of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family. Yeah. Nor do I want to cause rebellion. That's not the akhlaq of this family. Yeah. But rather, the Islamic State has now reached a level where in, in Damascus sits a man who's, you know, who's got the alcohol around him, who's abusing the religion, who's mm. proud of his grandfather's polytheism. And there was a need therefore, a need which is not for me or for my glory. I can sit back here in Medina. Mm. I am the grandson of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon his family. I could sit here in Medina. Yeah. I could chill. Definitely. I'm saying Shabab Ahlul Jannah. Jannah waits for me. <laughs> Why do I need to go? I'm going because this community mm. is now reaching a level where we may have to say Assalam ala Islam. Peace mm. be upon the religion of Islam. And truly, that niyyah, that pure, sincere niyyah, would eventually lead to one of the greatest examples mm. of sacrifice humanity has ever seen. Now, Sayyidina, in, in my opinion, that will is not being implemented today. Because today when we hold Majalis in Muharram, we have mosques competing with each other. Has the ikhlas gone here? Well, I suppose tanafus is, can be healthy. You okay. know, um, there are moments where tanafus is not like the worst thing in the world. Mm. Um, competition. If the, if the intention is sincere that our competitiveness is to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not so that two families who hate each other are going to have two centers which are going to compete to see who's got bigger crowds. Mm. 
You know, it's very interesting. I've lectured in, in North America and I've seen cases where, you know, you've got two families who may be two very wealthy families mm. living in the States <clears throat> and one builds one Husseiniya and another builds another Husseiniya. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and literally, you'll find that it became a competition as to who could have the bigger crowds. And I remember that in the North American communities, the youth were very much affected by this because the youth were looking yeah. at this and they were saying, hold on a minute, are these families literally competing with each other by abusing the name of Imam al-Hussein alayhi mm. so that they reach their goals? Mm -hmm. And, and these families are families who maybe like in India or Pakistan, they came from a very revered background. Mm -hmm. But when it had reached their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, it had sadly reached a level where we will take out the alam of Imam al-Hussein <clears throat> and we will have the majalis of Imam al-Hussein was no longer because it was gaining closeness to Ahl al-Bayt and in turn gaining closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but rather it was competition with the other family that yeah. was only a few miles away. Mm -hmm. So it is sad when our communities reach a level where the competition is not for gaining closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but rather how many people do they have? How many do we have? Which speaker do they have? Which speaker do we have? Which reciter do they have? Which reciter do we have? And now it becomes a competition. And who's the one who's being used and abused? Whose name? Imam mm -hmm. al-Hussein's name. All of them call themselves Khaddam al-Hussein. We're all Khaddam al-Hussein. The easiest title to yeah. buy in Islam yep. is Khaddam al-Hussein. Easiest title. Everybody is Khaddam al-Hussein. Everybody. Yeah. The druggie has become Khaddam al-Hussein. The one sniffing 24-7, Khaddam al-Hussein. Cokehead, Khaddam al-Hussein. Doesn't pray, Khaddam al-Hussein. So, Everybody's become Khaddam al-Hussein. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this title it's of sad. I'm the Khadim of Imam al-Hussein, it's such an easy title to pick up. Um, but it's so heavy as well. Heavy, not heavy, is besides the point. God knows what your intention is. God knows why you are lecturing. God knows why you set up a majlis. Mm. God knows why you invite someone for majlis. God knows why you're in the kitchen downstairs cooking. Mm -hmm. God knows why you're at the front door standing. I'm servant of Imam al-Hussein is the most abused line I have ever seen. Because it covers a lot of the defects in the hearts. There are some people who are wonderful servants of Imam al-Hussein. There are some people who are wonderful, sincere but we have to be careful that we don't reach a level where we use the servant of Imam al-Hussein business to cover mm -hmm. a lot of our disasters. Now, even in Aza, Sayyid, as in, do you sometimes think that there's showing off in Aza or family pride than really mourning for Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam? Well, there's good, and, you know, good apples and rotten apples everywhere. I'm sure there are people who... Um, who may go to perform the Aza of Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam, you know, who aren't showing off at all. You know, they, they, they are people who do these things very sincerely. They mourn Imam al-Hussein alayhi salam. And I'm sure there are people who do these things because their granddad did it or their uncle is the head of the Husseini and they have to stand in the middle of everyone they, because it's theirs. 
he probably doesn't know much about Imam Hussein's words or hadiths. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's something that's been there in the family. And there are people who may compete with each other, you know. Um, look, I, I'm not going to deny that when we were younger as kids, you'd, you'd compete who's got the redder chest. Yeah. You know, you used to always <laughs> look under your t-shirt and see after the metem, you know, who's got the redder yeah, chest. Yeah, we yeah. were very simple then, but, Definitely. you know, there was that, that very sincere love for Imam mm. Hussein alayhi salam. Um, if a person is going <clears> to <throat> enter the Aza or the Azadari of Imam Hussein to see who can strike harder, who's stronger, who's more built, who's more... Then we're going into a, an arena which is far from the teachings of Ahlul Bayt. Now, Sayyidina, there's a question here from WhatsApp that, that actually relates to this previous point. Uh, Zeki from Costa Rica says, uh, Salaam Alaikum Sayyidina. Uh, there are people who get so wound up for Muharram and passionate and don't even pray. Where is this sincerity there? Has it become a means of culture than religion? Interesting question from Zeki. Um, well, if we look at this cup half full, and if you don't mind, I'm going to take a quick sip. Go for it, go for it. <laughs> if we look at this cup half full, yeah. uh, then hopefully the Majalis and Muharram, which are wonderful universities, um, hopefully they will make the one who doesn't pray, pray. Mm. You know, hopefully that person who hasn't prayed the whole year uh, because of unbelievable laziness, in some cases arrogance, uh, maybe when they come in the month of Muharram, they sit in a majlis. There are many who've sat in majlis and changed. There mm. are many who've done a 180 mm. <clears throat> when they heard a majlis or they heard a particular musibah. Mm. So if we look at the cup half full, then those who don't pray and yet they're there suddenly for 10 nights, let's look at the cup half full and hope that one of these lectures uh, changes their lives. However, if somebody thinks that, well, just because I'm coming to 10 majlis or I come to the majlis in Muharram and Safar, that that can cover mm. me missing my salah, then they've got the whole concept of Islam completely wrong. Mm. Uh, the pillar of this religion, without a doubt, is the act of salah. Hasant. And the Imams of Ahlul Bayt have many wonderful traditions about the importance of salah. Um, and Imam Al Hussein, quite wonderfully, on the 10th of Muharram, uh, highlighted to us the importance of salah and even having one final day to be able to pray before he was eventually killed on the 10th of Muharram. Uh, so let's try and use the month of Muharram mm. sincerely to improve ourselves and to get us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than just having 10 nights of rituals mm. which um, are more culture than they are religion. Now Sayyidina, in during the month of Muharram, is sincerity enough? Like, for example, let's say I'm in the kitchen, I'm cooking for the people who mourn for Imam al-Husayn, my niyyah is pure to cook for the people who come and listen to the masayib of Imam al-Husayn. But I don't sit in the lecture. The 10 nights, I'm in the kitchen. How do I balance this? Well, you know, you know what's in your heart as to why you're cooking. Mm. And you know what's in your heart as to why you're in the car park. Mm -hmm. I respect a lot of people who stand for 10 nights, 12 nights in the kitchen, cooking for those who have come for the lectures. And I respect a lot those who are in car parks, sometimes in freezing weather, mm. helping to guide the cars of the attendees and yep. the azadars who have come. If you are cooking one year, mm -hmm. you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the blessing that you're able to cook that year, the following year go and sit inside the lectures. Mm. Okay. That's a test of your sincerity. 
Because there are some people who are like, listen, bro, Muharram's come. I'm going to be cooking. Mm. Cooking can sometimes also be an excuse to just chill for about 45 minutes <laughs> um, until everybody um, uh, finishes listening to a boring lecture. Uh, so that, that could also happen, you know, mm. uh, where people use it as an excuse. That, listen, us guys are all in the kitchen. We're cooking because we are Khaddam al Hussein. Listen, a true Khadim of Imam al-Hussein, his, his first and foremost... Uh, you know, passion is to gain knowledge, which in yeah. turn gains them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gets them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person has done that wonderful deed of cooking last year, let's say, mm -hmm. um, then maybe this year they could sit in the lectures. If last year they were serving tea, mm -hmm. this year they could sit in the lectures. The real test is whether you're able to sit in lectures for 10 nights or if you got too accustomed to a world where you can chill outside, have a smoke, <laughs> and then walk in when it suits you. Um, and I think we have to be careful that when we do volunteer mm. in Muharram, make sure that while we're volunteering, we are the best examples of sincerity. Yes. Am I volunteering because I'm standing in a position where I can just chill, I can check my phone without no one looking, I can be on the phone the whole time? Mm. Um, Am I volunteering sincerely because I want to gain closeness to Allah subhanahu wa in this act? Mm. These are things which a person has to constantly reflect upon themselves. Um, but my best advice would be, look, you know, try and balance it. Awesome. Some volunteering, um, and then also there's got to be a time where you give from yourself to sit and learn in 10 nights, which otherwise, or which may be something you've neglected the whole year. Ahsan Sayyidina. Now before we do the raffle draw, would you kindly reveal to the beautiful viewers where you are going to be lecturing this Muharram inshallah? Oh, I'll be in uh, Leicester. Leicester, Leicester City. England, UK, home of the Premiership Champions. Home of the Foxes. So um, yeah, inshallah, Saturday night we begin. Alright. Now Sayyidina, would you kindly do the honours of Picking out a name of Sincerely, our viewers. Sincerely, I don't want to do sincerely. this. Sincerely. But Inshallah, for you, I'll do it. After the show, sincerely, no, you'll really, go really and really mix it under Let's do this. <laughs> and the winner is Lena Soma from Finland. Lena Soma from Lina Finland. Lena Soma from Finland. Congratulations to you and your five friends. You have won this beautiful, beautiful piece from the shrine of Abel Fadl al-Abbas. And the five friends you have tagged have gotten this dua with a beautiful, beautiful turba from the holy land of Karbala, inshallah. Sincerely, we could have given them a lot more than that. I've been told by APs, by the producers, that's, that's what's coming out of uh, the channel, inshallah. Sincerely? Sincerely. Okay. Sincerely. Inshallah, Eid al-Zahra, as I'm told by the producers, we'll give out more. Brilliant. Sincerely, inshallah. Uh, inshallah, Imam Hussein TV will be in contact with you, sister. And uh, do stay tuned for the next season that is coming up after the Arba'iniyah of the martyrdom of Abu uh, Abdullah al Hussein alayhi salam. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.